Welcome to Make It Happen, a podcast for big-hearted creatives who are aching to build impactful, fulfilling, and sustainable creative lives on their own terms and by their own rules every step of the way. I'm Jane Carrington, a creative coach based in the UK, and you are listening to episode one of season six. For the first guest of this brand new season, I have the incredible Kate Ferris of Simple and Season. Kate is a marketing coach and blogger and all-around awesome human, and I really wanted to have her on the show this season to talk about the incredible journey she went on last year from taking a business dream and turning it into a booked out and thriving reality. Kate and I worked together last year and it was such a privilege to walk with her in her journey and support her in her creative work and life. And in this episode, we catch up, we dive into her business journey last year, talk about how she really stayed the course in the face of uncertainty and the unknown. And we dive into her awesome marketing advice for creative business owners too. I loved recording this with Kate and I hope you enjoy it too. Let's jump in. Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. We haven't tried in a few months. I'm very excited. I know. I'm beside myself. (laughs) I have missed you. You get, after spending like, I know, like, because we spent like, what, say seven to eight months together. I get used to seeing someone in my schedule. And then I think with you, how I felt afterwards, because by the time we finished, so many exciting things were happening. I was like, oh, I miss Kate's updates. Like, I miss hearing, like, how things are going for her, but I didn't want to be a creepy email and you're like, hey, Kate, how's everything yeah, going? I, I was like, the same, because it's like a, a breakup or yeah, a death yeah. or something. Like, they're still there, but you can't contact them. And I was like, am I allowed to send her an email? Yeah, please do. My, my, I think my favourite thing in the world, apart from hearing from my current clients, is hearing from past clients. Because then it's like, oh, it was it was a real relationship. I didn't just make this up in my head. Yeah. So speaking of that, last year was an amazing year for you. You started the year with a nine to five. Yes. Living in England, not Wales. And you ended the year living in Wales with your own amazing, thriving, incredible business. Will you share a little bit more about your journey last year and how you took a business from just a dream to a reality? Mm, Yeah, it's crazy because it feels like two different lives. And it was only like 12 months ago. So yeah, as you say, I started the year not even thinking about starting my own business. I had my blog, which I was quite happy being a hobby. And I was pretty happy in my nine to five. I was a marketing manager and I really liked the team and everything. Um, And then over the kind of the first quarter of the year, things were changing in the company I was working for. And I was getting more and more involved in the online community, mostly on Instagram of kind of creative people and makers and things. Um, And I went to a marketing conference. It was kind of like my line in the sand. When I look back on it, that was like the turning point. I went to this conference and I was watching people like IBM and all talking about just ways to squeeze extra pennies out of people. And I was like, oh, I do not want to be a part of this. (laughs) And it just felt so distasteful. And I didn't want to be doing things like that. I wanted to be helping the people that I'd met Mm. on Instagram and, and things like that. But I had no idea where to start, of course. Um, And yeah, so we started working together. We had our first call in April, I think. And I didn't even have a business idea. I was like, I just want to leave my job. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, that same month, we came on holiday here to North Wales. Um, My other half had an interview. He's a chef. And yeah, by the end of the holiday, I went back into work and handed in my notice. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no business idea. I had a blog. I had a think like a couple of thousand Instagram followers and that was all I was basing that on really um luckily I had a three-month notice period so I had that kind of three months working with you and listening to all the podcasts um, (laughs) just to try and formulate something and then yeah moved in the summer 
up here to Snowdonia and then really kind of hit the ground running with my coaching business. Had that sort of two to three months of absolutely nothing, which was terrifying and (laughs) awful. And by the end of the year, I was pretty much booked out. Amazing. It was one of the coolest, like, I... When I think back to say 2017 and like say the client work I did, you will always stand out in my mind because it was so cool. You took this leap of faith. Like you said, you weren't, you didn't start with like this aggressive business plan. I think you must have seen the potential of what you'd built so far and you must have known you had something to offer, but you just kind of took this leap of faith and you figured it out as you went. And then you ended the year in a place where it takes people years to get Mm. to. You just you you just went for it. It was so cool. And when I think back to our time working together, one of the things that really stands out to me is how much you just stayed the course. Like you said, you had those months of you had the months of not really knowing what you the plan was. You just dove in and did that. So you stayed the course there. Then you had the months of launching and it being quiet. And I think those were our most interesting calls. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> because it was just it's managing the anxiety but not letting the anxiety direct the action. Mm. But you you just stayed the course and you believed in yourself and you did the work. Can you talk a little bit more about what it was like to stay the course? and to navigate kind of the anxiety and the unknown and how you found the courage to just keep showing up anyway and trusting that something good was coming your way. I think it was doing the background work and the sort of making sure that my foundations were really strong that I really believed in what I was doing that kind of made it help to trust in the process. Mm. I think if I had, say we'd moved everything three months earlier and I'd launched everything three months earlier and then had that kind of two months of nothing, it would have been much difficult because I hadn't developed it enough. I didn't believe in it enough at that point to know that it was going to go somewhere. Um, and also having you just saying, no, just it's fine. Keep going, keep going. And having someone not obligated to believe in you like my boyfriend was um, is, is good. Um, but yeah, it's trusting in your in your business, in what you have to offer, in the value you can provide and continuing to provide value to people and know that it will come right in the end Um, and growing your business with people in mind and just providing that value and it helps to have people to get feedback and to really stay Mm. connected with people and talking and because having people say, oh, this is a really great blog post or, oh, that's a really great idea, thank you. Those little nuggets are really something great to hold on to when you're beginning to feel like, oh, maybe I should just charge £30 for an e-call <laughs> just to get some money in. Um, yeah, because that was, especially for me as well, because we'd moved so suddenly, and obviously moving mm. is expensive as well when you're moving 200 miles away. didn't really yeah. have any savings to speak of that I was using as backup. I didn't have a part-time job. So I was really kind of up against it, and I think maybe that was probably quite a motivating thing for me. Um but it literally just had to work. Um, but yeah. Because you managed to start a business and get it to a really profitable, thriving place in arguably like quite a short period of time. What like the action that you took that you think made the biggest difference to making that happen last year? I think being really open, mm. um, especially in the line of work that you and I both do, is it's really important for people to trust us for us to be approachable, for people to think that they might like us and want to work with us. Um, So really building that community on Instagram, even though, interestingly, my first clients weren't people that I already knew from Instagram. They'd sort of joined in. They'd found me on a Google search or found me after I transitioned. Correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like it must have been your content in such a big way, whether it was the more evergreen content that you created, like your resources or your content, or just the 
day-to-day like on Instagram connecting with people yeah definitely and I've actually had a client say to me that they found me on Instagram they were kind of interested came onto my site and then we're reading through and they're like oh and she actually does know what she's talking about yeah which is a really good conversation to have because that's kind of how I tell people to do their marketing so it's like oh good job it's working for me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah and building relationships because I also then started to get a lot of word of mouth through people who hadn't even worked with me they just followed me on mm. Instagram but trusted me enough from through my content through the way that I showed up online through the conversations I had um to know that I was worth recommending which was really great yeah that's awesome and how has it felt this is this must sound like such a weird question but I'm genuinely curious like how has it felt like when you stand here right now and you think like oh my god where was I a year ago and where you are now like what's like the biggest like, has it changed you as a person in any way Um, I think it has. I think I feel I'm a lot more, or I'm a lot less kind of anxious and stressed and Mm. stuff. And I think as well, because I am, I realised it when my parents came to stay over Christmas. I'm very much like my mum. My mum's very kind of highly strung and and things. (laughs) And I realised how much more mellow I am now that I'm not kind of in a stressful office environment and that I'm completely in control of what I do day to day. So yeah, I feel it a lot more peaceful in a lot of ways um I feel like I know myself a lot better than I ever Mm. did because when you're trying to kind of we we all have to fit into that nine to five go to an office for these eight hours for no particular reason that go home sort of lifestyle that you you don't really know how you work best or who you kind of really are whereas learning when I'm when I'm great, when I'm on it, learning that actually, you know, I need to sleep a lot more (laughs) Um, and that actually I'm better off working till seven and I can, then that's been a really great learning process just to feel more in control of my life. Yeah, how I know this is something we really explored together was kind of, do you remember in the beginning when you were like, you were in Wales and and things were like not taking off yet and you were like the days you were like, you felt like you had to sit at your desk mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time and how, like, how has it been giving yourself permission to lean into how you work best? Yeah, it's it's been really good and I'm still, I still set myself too much to do in the day <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can write five blog posts and then do a call and then do something else, but I'm getting a lot better at that. And uh, giving myself a break and kind of going, actually, you know what, I've done quite well today and I can I can stop now. Um, yeah, just concentrating on doing things, not hours. So yeah, if I can get five things done, then it doesn't matter how long it t- took me to do them. So, yeah. I really feel like starting my own business has been like one of the most pivotal experiences of my life. Like it's up there with like meeting my husband and like all those other type of things. And I feel like for me, it just, it taught me what I was capable of. Like before I started this business, I was just like a joke of a human. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote my 10,000 word university dissertation the night before oh my and God. got a date. Like I was, a, I, I, and what I discovered when I started, my, I thought I was an unmotivated, like uninterested human. Mm. But I realised, and we talked about the Gretchen Rubin for tenancies mm-hmm. before, because I'm a questioner, it means I'm only motivated by internal goals. So for me, it was, oh, once I had something that I cared about and I loved, I'm just like, like I never dropped the ball. Like I'm so, I can really count on myself and hold myself accountable. And it's because I just had to find something that was on my own terms. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, it's it's interesting. I really feel like a business can be like a very like emotionally, like a, a really t- a big type of emotional growth as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's well funny because I'm an obliger. But my yeah. business is like my outside person I'm trying to oblige, oh, which is so interesting, interesting because, yeah, things like 
doing stuff for myself, like trying to get me to do some yoga is really hard because <laughs> that's just for me. But if it's for my business, I'll always prioritize that. And for my clients and things, I'll always prioritize that. So that's what's really interesting. Um, but yeah, I, like the idea of having a, in inverted commas, normal job, like working for someone else. No, I just can't even imagine how I'd be able yeah. to do it. Okay, so something we really both believe in is slow marketing. And will you share a little bit more of your thoughts on this and why you're a big advocate for slow marketing for creative business owners? Yeah, well, that was really the sort of motivation behind the business in the first place is when we are good at something or an expert in something, we think that everybody gets it, whereas actually they don't. And that was what I was learning as I was on Instagram and talking to people through the blog and everything is that a lot of people find marketing really hard and it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people um so that was something that I knew I could definitely offer and particularly with a lot of the marketing advice that's out there and the people who are really dominating that kind of niche they're doing it for a market that's you know trying to get six figures and not people who are sat at their Mm. kitchen table making or or (laughs) designing or anything like that um So yeah, the slow marketing is really for people who don't want to go viral because that means they're not going to have a good life because they'll always just be playing catch up and um, they want to grow something that's sustainable, that's going to allow them to live the life they want, whether that's around children or whether it's around just, you know, I don't want to work every day of my life. I want to have three day weeks. Um, Mm. Slow marketing is really the way to do that because it's organic sustainable growth over time um, and building a really strong customer base rather than really huge peaks that are just really difficult to navigate and the other thing about it is that I make sure that it's really human focused I think that's why people are scared of marketing or find marketing really icky because somewhere along the line it's become like a a way to gamify it Uh, there always has to be a winner and a loser in a way like it's things like oh let's see if we can get a discount or we always assume that a business is going to try and cheat us out of something um Mm. and it doesn't need to be like that because actually the most effective marketing is when two people who actually want the same thing you know one person wants Mm. to buy your pot and you want them to buy your pot so you want the same thing (laughs) um and actually just talking to each other on a really human level and providing value and making sure that you both come out of that experience feeling great oh my god I could not agree more and I feel like it's just because slow marketing is slower I also feel like talking about slow marketing is in a less aggressive way so that when say someone's looking for some marketing advice for their awesome new business the first thing they're going to find is all the aggressive marketing noise so to actually it's kind of a funny like way of doing it but like I mean I I don't know about you I feel like the biggest part of slow marketing that you gotta have a lot of faith and trust and courage because it's trusting that what you're building like you said it doesn't have those high peaks and then these crushing lows it's just consistent I was really funny I was walking the dog with Alex the other evening and I was saying to him I was like oh do you ever worry about me as a business owner because I'm so I refuse to like do things that don't feel comfortable and I never do anything like aggressive for my business I was like do you ever worry that like it'll fizzle out one day and he was like no because you don't have these big high peaks but you just have this consistent Mm level that you can trust and it was I've been thinking about that a lot recently and how that that feels way better to me than having like extremes yeah. <laughs> this would not feel fun but I think I found it's like you've got to be courageous enough to believe in to believe in your business enough and to have enough integrity to do it in a way that makes you feel good and makes your customers and clients feel good too yeah, what do you think? yeah I completely agree it's all about it's all about value for me because if you give value mm. out 
then you get it back. Um, and that builds trust. Because what you don't want is have 100 people buy from you once in the space of like two weeks and then never come yeah. back. It's much better to have 20 people who will buy from you every week of the year and you just have to look after them mm -hmm. and build a relationship with them because they trust you and then they will recommend you and they will spread the word for you as well. Um, I always think about it as having advocates, not followers. Um, yeah. oh, I love and that. so with your social media and things like that, just really getting to know people and getting them to know you um, and really buy mm. into what you do and get your purpose. Um, because if you start with that very purposeful business and you have a really strong why, then it kind of doesn't matter what products you do because people believe in your why. They will follow you wherever you transition because they just they just want whatever you put out there. Yeah, it's like you just, it's so true. And I think it's such a cliche, but like people buy from people these days. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to be a person for them to connect with. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So you obviously are full of tons of amazing like, <laughs> insights and as a marketing coach, obviously, but is there any marketing advice out there that you think is really unproductive for creative business owners that is maybe distracting them from developing a marketing plan that is going to help them reach their goals and thrive? I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, because it's something that I've struggled not struggled with but I found myself kind of listening to a podcast or reading a blog and thinking no this actually isn't going to help me mm. and people have got in touch with me saying like oh I, I love all the stuff you've been pinning but now I just feel less like I can start than ever um and that information overwhelm is something that you know we don't really talk about but it, it's a real struggle because yeah. there's so much education out there um and what I think is that we are the overwhelm comes from us consuming content for which we're not the target audience. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of people who are in that more kind of hustly, girl bossy niche. <laughs> and their um, target audience are people who are going to be turning over seven figures, like I said. And yeah. we're kind of consuming that content and being like, oh, God, well, I've not even done any of this. I'm awful and I can't market and I don't even know what I'm doing. But it's actually because we're just consuming the wrong content. Mm. Um, so that's my advice is always if you're listening to a podcast or you're thinking about starting listening to a new podcast is go onto the creator's site and read through the lines of who they are there to serve. And if that's clearly not you, then that kind of advice isn't going to serve you at all. Um, that advice isn't necessarily bad. It's just not for you. So it's yeah. not productive in that way that it's, it's just going to make you feel worse about yourself than actually grow your business. Um, so I would say when you're starting out or when you're fairly small, so even for me, I'm not at the size yet where I'm getting a lot of data through my business. Um, and it's more kind of human to human sort of style rather than I've got tens of thousands of people buying a course and I actually, the only way I can sift through them is via data. Mm. So, um, when people start talking about funnels and email automations and things like that, just think, actually, do I have the data that will make that actually useful for me? Or am I just going to spend a lot of time setting up all these funnels that actually realistically only 100 people are going to go through? Because I'm much better off thinking about those 100 people as individuals and speaking to them like that mm -hmm. in order to grow them and get them to feel like they know me too. Yeah, I love that advice. And I, as something I really try and encourage people to do and I do myself is if someone's giving advice and even if it sounds like it works for them, I try and think, wait, 
are they building a business that I myself would want? Yeah. So if they're building a business where they're going to be jetting around the world and giving talks and that makes me want to cry, like that sounds like <laughs> my worst nightmare. Or like, like, do I actually want what they're building and do I want to feel how they're, they make their customers feel? And it's, it's mm-hmm. being more, I think we fall into this trap when people are in a very early stage of they see someone successful. I actually have had clients say this to me before. They're like, oh, I stumbled across this person who's really well-known and really successful and they gave this advice it didn't feel true to me, but who am I to ignore someone's really successful mm. advice? And I'm like, whoa, like we give so much of our power away by perceived markers of success. Yeah. I, I'm writing, I'm drafting a letter at the moment, which is kind of about why we don't actually want like a coach or a consultant or a course or a book to tell us how to run our business. We want it to hold space for us to discover how we want to run our business because no one knows how to run our business better than we do. Mm-hmm. People are here to help and walk with us, but this is where I think, I think the people who build incredible businesses with themselves, first and foremost, have built a relationship with themselves as a business owner and have looked at the people, like you said, the people whose advice is, like your advice is amazing for like really like, I know you call them like soulful creatives. Mm. And so you're there to like really walk with them in their journey. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I will feel like for you with your clients, they've got to still know themselves first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the work I do. It's people tend to have done the soul searching before yeah. they come to me and they know they know exactly that they want to do this, but they just don't know how. And yeah. then that's the blocker. And so, yeah, we do a lot more kind of actionable work, taking it and doing productive things towards making it a reality. Um, but they know the sort of business that they want. Um, and we go through kind of knowing who they want to target, yeah. who their customer is. And you've got to think about that as well. If we're doing a very human to human style business, what does your customer like? Mm. Who else do they follow? What content do they consume? Because you want to fit into that, not kind of copy or not um, make yourself generic, but you want to be recognizable to them. So Mm. if they follow somebody like you, you want your content to have similar topics, similar themes, the similar tone, but there's always you, but then they can see your content and think, ah, I'm, I know I'm going to like this. Whereas if you're consuming that more kind of hustle, hustle content, then your your customer isn't going to recognize themselves in that. Yeah. It's like being just brave enough to A, market yourself. Like I feel like some people are just like, like you were saying, it's, it's too scary. But then marketing is the, the bridge between having just a dream and having a business. I yeah. think what people, they see the bridge and they think it's just, I've got to do webinars or yeah. funnels. And it's like, no, you can just be a human. You can share your ideas and all those. So maybe it's like demystifying what the bridge is. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. And then being brave enough to cross it and just being, like, what do you see with your clients as the, like, say you had like all the people who are in need marketing and if you could like wave a magic wand and give them like free things that you think make the biggest difference, what do you think those things are that make the biggest difference between someone who really gets the grips of their marketing in a soulful way? Um, it would be uh, a focus on value. Mm. So that comes back to that idea that we always think we have to game everybody. Um, <laughs> that's so horrible, that- <laughs> right? Like, to game, that's horrible. <laughs> and um, we work, people worry about giving stuff away and it, it does depend on your product a little bit, mm. but the more that you can give away, the more trust you're going to build, the more um, you're going to demonstrate your expertise and mm. just people want, people are used to kind of trying before they buy a little bit. And if you can demonstrate the value you can provide in a free way, uh, you're going to be building those advocates again. Because even people who can't afford your paid services will start to recommend you to other people. They're just as powerful, really, for supporting your business. Yeah, 
Definitely. Yeah. And that brings me on to probably the second one is to really focus on knowing your audience Mm. and continually refreshing that knowledge. Um, So that doesn't have to mean, you know, focus groups and, and surveys. I'm a big fan of asking a question in an Instagram caption or on Mm. stories in a poll or something just to kind of get an idea of where they are, what they're struggling with. And when I say audience knowledge, I don't mean, you know, they live in Surrey and they're (laughs) 35, because that doesn't actually help you in a meaningful way. It's about knowing what's challenging them and what their goals are, what they want to achieve. What are they searching that they're too embarrassed to ask their friend um, and providing them with that value to help them know that you are there for them what was the third one uh third one I'd say just be human Mm. just remember that you are a human and think about people like I don't know like British Gas they (laughs) when they tweet they put somebody's name because they're desperate to make people feel like they're speaking to a real person all the time Mm. whereas that's your one thing that you've got over huge companies. You don't have the budget, you don't have a 10-person marketing team, but you do have a personal brand. You're a real person um, and people are going to buy from you from that. So just kind of being, sharing your story, being a person, not talking like you're a bank, talking like you um, and letting people in on your on your great personality because that's what your brand is all about in the end. When with creative businesses like ours, we invariably start them because it's something that we want. Yeah. <laughs> so your story is a huge part of that. Yeah, no, and it's so funny because like you said, we don't have these big budgets, but we actually, with the tools available to us, a blog, an Instagram feed, a podcast, like whatever you want it is, it doesn't cost you a lot of money to have mm-hmm. a huge impact in a real human meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, just, and I do not think it's also like, having fun with it like I feel like I see a lot of my clients sometimes is they try something with marketing and they feel really they want to hold really tightly onto the outcome of it but a lot of it is just an experiment see what resonates see what connects what do you think about if you find a marketing technique that actually works for you but it's not fun for you to do it doesn't feel good for you what do you think about in that situation um it would sort of depend on what it is so something like an email newsletter yeah. even if you don't find that the most fun thing in the world you should probably still yeah, do it you'd, you'd be crazy not to <laughs> um but I think uh, there seems to be this thing as well that you want everything to end in a sale yeah yeah like yeah. it has to be a, a kind of one-two journey you yeah, do something yeah. and there's a sale whereas a things can take a lot longer than that I think particularly in service-based industries mm-hmm. there's a thing where it's sort of seven different contacts and that can be hearing you on a podcast going to your site seeing a tweet seeing you on Instagram it's all those different things build up before people kind of trust you to buy um, but also that every activity you do can have a different objective so with blog posts you can have a blog post and there that objective is for you to show up on search for people who might be looking for something similar to what you do or Mm. another blog post it might be about brand building and helping people know exactly what you stand for another one might be um yeah pushing them more towards a sale but all those different objectives are going to grow your business even if they don't directly result in a sale so it's kind of not expecting too much of your marketing and not being so black and white with it of like oh well I didn't make a sale off it so it was rubbish yeah um it's all part of a bigger process. Yeah, oh my God, I could not agree more. And I, 
I think it's trusting that because I think that's the difference between people who just quit because they're like, oh, this is too hard or I'm going to try something new. But if you stay the course with marketing, with something you believe in, you're building relationships. And like you said, especially with services, I find that the longer I've actually had a chance to build a relationship with someone through content, sometimes the more we can jump in at a really great place when we start working together because they really get who I am. Yeah. And we have this shorthand because they've already educated themselves so much with all the information I've already put out there. Yeah, exactly. It actually makes more of the magic happen. Yeah, you pre in through your website, if you can preempt every single question that someone yeah. could possibly ask you, then by the time they're ready to come and send your contact form or whatever, A, you're you're spending a lot less time toing and throwing, and B, you're just starting off on such a better foot. Um, And yeah, take me, for example. It took three months of blogging twice a week for people to actually get in touch with me. So it was, if I'd given up after the first blog post, didn't get an inquiry, yeah, I would be back in a nine-to-five. Yeah, and it's also, like, people get so obsessed about making, like, the sale this week or next week, but the truth is, if you if this is your career, you've got to make money for the next decade mm. and decades, and it's seeing it as that long-term plan and kind of keeping your eye, I always think, on the bigger goal. Mm. Yeah. So that you're not making short-term bad decisions, you're making yeah. long-term amazing decisions. Yeah, and that's the thing that you can't control as well, because I started doing that and being like, I will book X amount this week. Mm-hmm. That is so stupid, because <laughs> like, they've got other stuff going on in there life maybe it's not payday that week maybe actually they're thinking about it for three months time I can't control that all I can control is the the content that I put out the way that I show up on a consultation call the way that I show up online um, the emails that I send out that's what I have to focus on I can't control what's going on in somebody else's life so setting goals that I can control and that I can move the needle on yeah that's huge and do you not find also like if you set those kind of goals I feel like that ruins the that stops you being a human and being of value because then you're wanting something back from them yeah yeah exactly yeah Yeah. I kind of just be like obviously the community you build is your customer base but I think it's so important to not see them as your customer base to see them just as oh these are humans who I can build a relationship with and who I can I think it's just trusting your business on a higher level at a certain point where you're like I trust that by showing up and being intentional and putting my message out there, I will attract the right clients to me and I don't have to track it every day and be so obsessive about it because I can trust in the bigger process of my business. Yeah, definitely. And that's nicer as well. You sleep better at night with that. (laughs) (laughs) So something I think you do amazingly well is you blend, and this probably must tie into the whole slow marketing, is you blend such personal content with business-focused content because obviously you started off with like just a lifestyle blog Mm. and then it kind of pivoted into also being a blog for business. Will you share what it's been like for you, A, to transition that and also just how you find such a great balance between the two without kind of diluting either of them? Yeah, it's funny when when I started transitioning my content, I I'd never really worked to a very good content calendar before, um, and all of a sudden, it, my content needed to work harder for me. It wasn't just a hobby blog that I was just sticking content up on; um, it needed to do a job. Um, so it was going back again to that audience knowledge and, and thinking about right, what do people actually want to read? What do people need to know from me? Um, and starting to really build a good strong content calendar from that and doing things like just coming up with all the ideas and making sure they're really customer focused um and then adding in just a little bit of your story and I think because for me as we said a lot of what you're buying when you coach with me is a relationship with me Mm. um so getting feeling like you know me and that you trust in my story is 
really, really important. So I wanted to bring that in. Um, but it was also important to me that when I spoke about myself, it was value for other people. Mm. So rather than just saying, oh, I've done this and it's great. It was, <laughs> here was a problem I had that you might also have. And here are some steps that I've taken that have worked for me. Um, and here, here's some ways for you to cut your learning curve short because yeah. I've already done it. And going it, at it from a very valuable point of view and thinking, well, what do people actually need to know? They don't need to know the real ins and outs of me sat in my room for 10 hours or whatever it was. Um, they need to know, okay, this is a problem. Yep, I have this problem and here's how to solve it. Yeah, it's kind of like still being intentional with that personal content. Like it's still reader focused, mm. but it's like, so it's like you can share a struggle or you can share a truth, but it's not it's not for validation for yourself or putting your problems onto them mm -hmm. it's yeah. just to humanize and just to connect and I think you're so right we I think as coaches especially I don't know if you ever experienced this but I've come across a lot of my clients who are coaches and they feel like they have to be perfect like no one will want to work with them if they don't have all their shit together but who wants to work with someone who feels so perfect that you could never measure up to that or never be vulnerable <laughs> in front of that so it's it's kind of also that permission of wait I'm allowed to show my humanity and that I'm figuring it out too because I mean personally I people tell me such and I'm sure it's the same with you they tell me such personal things like such human meaningful parts of their life and I really like to believe that it's by being a human being myself I've created this relationship with them the way they just feel like it's safe and I feel that is so important for mm. content to do that yeah yeah definitely we're asking people to be sort of quite intimate and put, yeah. tell us things that they wouldn't tell their husbands and partners yeah, and yeah. they wouldn't tell anybody else in the world and it's the least we can do to share a little bit back and say yeah. you know I hear you this is and um, you know I had it as well here's a few things that I did that made that easier um be that human again and say you know I'm not infallible nobody is and you don't need to worry that you can't do this because I can do it either but we'll yeah, work through yeah. it together yeah, I think there's nothing more powerful than seeing someone who you can relate to on a very human level do something that you want to do yourself because then you realise like, oh, you don't have to be a superhero. You just have to be a, a brave enough person to do that. Yeah, I think that's really powerful as well because especially in this um, online kind of creative world, we are really kind of at the front end of it and there's very few people who've come before us and I think mm. people like Sarah Tasker, yeah. you know, the things that she's doing and what she shares, it helps people think, oh, wow, this is actually, this is doable. This is, this is real. I can, I can make a living out of that. And that's really inspiring. So by sharing your story and say, look, I was just like you and I'm here now and you can be, it is really inspirational, but in an attainable way. It's inspirational, not aspirational. Yeah. It's not, it's not like, you know, like those like YouTube channels or like big, huge, like bloggers mm. where it just feels completely unattainable yeah they're in the Maldives yeah everything. yeah <laughs> and they look amazing and they never get a spot and like dogs always know how to pose well for photos yeah. <laughs> yeah and I mean I I just think also there's nothing inspires me more than just seeing women like take up that space like and just unapologetically go after their dreams and take put the ladder back down for the women as well to be like mm. let's all go together I think it sounds like so cliche but I think there's nothing more powerful than that because by starting our own business we have space to define it all on our own terms we're not we don't have gatekeepers in suits mm. saying yes or no to us we're just there's no gate we're the only the only gatekeeper to our success is our is ourselves holding ourselves back yeah definitely and that's something that I've actually found myself thinking like well that's not for me Ooh, like for no and for no real reason just because like oh I'm not 
I'm not there yet. I don't mm. have enough credibility. I'm not, I'm not whatever. I'm like, well, that'll never happen for me. And then mm. I have some myself be like, yeah, but why? Mm-hmm. What, what possible reason is there that I couldn't do that? And I couldn't come up with one. Um, and things like even thinking about podcasts to pitch to be on or magazines to write for, you think, well, that I'm not there. I couldn't do that. I'm like, well, why? <laughs> I've yeah. got something to offer that's really yeah. valuable. Why yeah, that- can't I do that? Yeah, girl, we do that so I, I I do that to myself all the time. And everyone, every woman I know does that. And it's mm. and I I just hope that even people are hearing you say that. And I imagine if you said to yourself, have you pitched those podcasts and sent those magazines and just done the things that we I think we have to we wait for the world to give us permission, mm. but it's not gonna give us permission. Like yeah. we have to do it ourselves. So yeah. that's awesome. Okay, yeah. I have four quick five questions that I'm asking at the end of every episode. Are you ready? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> They're easy, I promise. <laughs> actually before we jump into this because because you're such a wealth of information about marketing is there anything like for anyone listening who's kind of thinking about their marketing or feeling stressed or overwhelmed is there any like last advice you would love to give them when it comes to marketing themselves as a small business yeah everything that you've done so far everything that you've read everything that you've got on your to-do list just take a step back from it look at it objectively and think is this me is this going to drive something for my business is this does this feel soulful to me am I doing it because I think I should and Mm. strip away all those things that you've done because you think you should or you've read a blog post that says you must do these five things if you Mm. want to be successful take all of that away and build it up again from what your audience needs and how you provide value um, build it up from the bare bones, focus on connection, focus on value and focus on just a human to human conversation and go from there. I love that. And if anyone wants to see what Kate means in action, I could not recommend checking out just your work in general. Like just the way you show up and take up space to your business is just so meaningful, so true. It's wonderful. So yes, yeah, so if people are like, how can I see what she means? Go check out Kate's stuff because it's fantastic. <laughs> Are you ready for the quick fire round? Okay. <laughs> okay. What is the best book you've read recently? Oh, well, this is bad because I've been an awful reader. <laughs> I haven't read, well, I've read one book this year and then last year I didn't read a single book, which is awful. You went I've, a whole year about reading a book? Yeah. And wow. I kind of hate myself for it. And I'm an English graduate as well. So I've always, I've always, always read, but I didn't, I didn't. Because cause it was your, but you know what, to be very honest, my first year in business, I think I read the least then. I don't think I painted my nails many times that year. And like, I used to be a beauty blogger. Like, you know, everything becomes about the business. So yeah. I can, yeah. Yeah, but, so that's my focus for this year is I want to read 12 books this year. I've read one, so I'm like two months behind, but I'm focusing on that. So if anyone wants to send me some great book recommendations, please <laughs> <laughs> That is everyone's challenge after this episode. Go to Kate's Instagram. And get, so what is the first book on your to read list that you're really excited to read um so I just read um nutshell by Ian McEwan oh awesome um and then my to read book is the outrun I think it's called by Amy Liptrop um yeah so she it's a non-fiction and she um kind of had a breakdown I think she was living in London and then moved back to Shetland and kind of got back in touch with nature and things um so yeah that's the next book on my list that sounds amazing I'm gonna check that out okay if you could have a coffee date with one of your creative heroes or inspirations dead or alive who would it be oh my gosh (laughs) 
See, these sorts of questions, I like just can't even remember my own name after some of these. Um, I don't know. I think I'd have to have, I don't know, maybe you. <laughs> like I said to you earlier, I just really am craving a conversation where well, I'm, I'm not like the expert yeah, and I you... can just kind of be like, I've got problems too. <laughs> you know what, that I had, um, she's going to be a guest on this season. She was a past client and I'm a really good friend. She's called Kat and we had coffee the other, a couple of weeks ago and I was just, everything was fine, but I was just in a grumpy mood. Like something had just like annoyed me that week and I was just like talking to her and I was like, you know, like just like, offloading the poor thing. She doesn't <laughs> listen to me. And she was like, Jen, you need a Jen. And I was like, I've been saying this for years. <laughs> need me but yeah no I think as a coach there is like this layer of in your work you have to be so solid and together and hold so much space Mm. that you need space in your in your real life to just this is why I love my husband so much I can just fall apart around him but he doesn't (laughs) see me as a mess like but like having those people where you can just be like I just need to scream a little bit about something ridiculous because I've just been taking care of everyone else today yeah Uh, okay in another life what's a job completely different to what you do now that you think you could have been awesome at I think I could have been a good teacher but I'm not sure I could have dealt with <laughs> the kids <laughs> I just mean like the bureaucracy and yeah, yeah. the testing and things like that that was something that I wanted to do um and also working in museums that was like my number one that was my plan a when I left uni wow you know what's so interesting you do teach for your yeah business and you curate like visuals and it's really interesting like you're not obviously you're not a museum but like you you curate things for your Mm. for your online presence yeah okay last question this one's about you if everyone listening could go and do one thing next to connect with you and the awesome work you do where should they go and what should they do um they should I'd say go to Instagram but yeah go to Instagram see if you like what you see and then come to my site and send me an email I'm actually so much better at replying to emails than I am anything else so if you'd like if you have even if you just want to say oh I really like that I'm much more likely to respond in my inbox <laughs> okay this has been so nice I've missed talking to you so much it's I been know. lovely I've been <laughs> looking forward to this for days like <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for making the time to come on this was so fun no thank you and uh yeah have a great rest of the series <laughs> and there we have it today's episode if you'd like to find out more about Kate and the awesome work she's doing in the world, head over to makeithappenpodcast.com where you can dive into this episode show notes and all the past episodes too. And if you'd like more from me, you can head over to jencarrington.com where you can explore all of the content I create for big-hearted creatives just like you. More than anything, thank you so much for listening along today and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day ahead. Keep on doing the awesome work that you're doing in the world and I'll be rooting for you always.